Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Miss Congeniality. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast as we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. But if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that elements of the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello. Good evening, Mr. United Kingdom. Mr. United Kingdom. Is that what they call me now? That is what you are. Although I can't see your beautiful face at the moment. It is to one side. Yeah, I'm just showing you the uh, the wallpaper with ballet shoes. There we go. Right. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a bit of my face. How's that? Marvellous. Oh, exciting. And oh. it's gone back again. It is all fine. It is all fine. Yeah, sorry. You can have that. You can have my shoulder. That's Get a kind bit of the shoulder best action. This contraption that I've made of like the mic with the phone having the Google Hangout attached to it—it's really, it's really high tech. But it enables you to look at my shoulder, so enjoy. You know what? The, you know what they say: the shoulder is the best part of the man. Yeah, it's it's an underappreciated part of a man's body because you, you notice you notice if there's something wrong with the shoulders, but if the shoulders are there, they just kind of it's like they're happening in the background. You know, precisely, precisely. Like if someone's got uneven shoulders, that's quite an obvious sort of strange thing, isn't it? Yeah, you can always tell when it's a squid pretending to be a human being as well because of the lack of shoulders. Yeah, or it? like three kids in a trench coat. Yeah, you can always tell when Vincent Adultman is coming. coming. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, it's a, it makes it makes one ponder the 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 strange. Uh, the strange incidents of the necklace man, you know. He's, there's there's a few necklace men around, aren't there? You've seen you've seen them, looking like thumbs, their heads yes, sort of buried yeah. into their bodies. Bob Crow, he was a necklace man. <laughs> oh dear! And not a yes. crow. And not a crow, or maybe he was just a collection of crows. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's why that's why he had no neck. Because I suppose you'd have to have one crow in the middle to be the neck that was still quite a lot of the time. That would take some serious effort on the part of the crows. Yes, yeah. Speaking of, um, you know, animals and politicians and such, well, not Bob Crow, he was a politician, I suppose, trade union leader. But um, before this um, podcast started, I was just reading, not that I was wasting time, this was like while I was eating my dinner, because I know I was late, for which I'm sorry. But um, I was reading a list of um, towns in the United States that have had dogs as mayors, and there were quite a few. But the main one is this town in, I think it's Kentucky. Hang on. Um, Dog Mayors. Dog Mayors of America. Yeah, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. And that's the name of the town, not the name of the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) That would be be a good good one, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've got Bryn, a pit bull, is the fourth dog mayor of Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. She is preceded by Lucy Liu. Junior Cochran and Goofy Bournemouth. Rabbit Hash charges a $1 donation per vote. And I wonder where that money goes. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. But also, um, there have been there have just been some elections in America. Well done to our American listeners for ele- making sure that the Democrats won the House of Representatives. Because even though the, the Republicans managed to maintain control of the Senate, 
there's still a big victory and it still means that Trump can be held accountable with all of his wild, stupid, insane things that he wants to do. And hopefully some of them, like building a wall in Mexico, won't actually happen. Although I don't think that would happen anyway, but, you know, so well done to them. But did you also hear that apparently they elected a dead guy? Yeah, they they um, elected someone who was found dead at his Love Ranch brothel Ooh. by friend and porn actor Ron Jeremy. Oh no, and, Ron Jeremy's is, involved. This is, this is who the uh, Republicans decided to vote for in an election. <laughs> dead man found dead in a brothel. Um, yeah, it's quite impressive. Um, in, in terms of the, the election, the fact that um, the Democrats managed to win back the House is something of a miracle um, because of how much sort of voter suppression there is that goes towards the republicans and and and, um and it is a real problem in america Mm. um it's incredible that the 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 democrats managed to win at all so the fact that they managed to take it back is outstanding um the one the one thing that concerns me is that uh, nancy pelosi's come out and said we're not going to play the same games as the republicans um as if they hadn't learned from the last 12 years that being dirty is the only way to win elections now. See, I I read that as just her saying that she doesn't enjoy golf. <laughs> um there, there's this whole thing about taking the moral high ground when you're on the left wing and it's really stupid and people need to realize that they need to play dirty to win. Absolutely. Um, need to play so... dirty as hell. You know, don't don't hold back on anything. Yeah, just just beat them while they're down. If someone if someone tries to kick you low, that's a good chance to s- smash him in the head. Yeah, Do if, it. You, if you see if you run into Nigel Farage, push him. Go on, <laughs> don't be afraid. Intimidate him. Get all up in his grill. Get get up in his face and tell him that he looks like Baron Silas von Greenback from Danger Mouse. <laughs> Steal his lunch money. <laughs> Call him a nerd. Give him a swirly. Yeah, yeah. Give give him a proper wedgie and hang him from a lamppost. <laughs> That is how to win in politics. And honestly, we're saying this in a joking way, but political discourse is so far down the toilet, especially in this country, that you know it would sort of liven things up a bit, wouldn't it, if someone was to give Nigel Farage a wedgie? Not that he's actually even an active elected official. He's just a gobshite. <laughs> he is a gobshite who, who has lost to people dressed in comedy outfits and elections. Yeah. A frog-faced gobshite. <laughs> So anyway, There's something so- <laughs> poetic about that. Yeah, it's, it's something it sounds like something Ted Hughes might have written. <laughs> yeah, in the back pages of his book Crow, which was not about Bob Crow, but it should have been, shouldn't it? Yeah, it should have been. Ted Hughes had no time for transport. He, did he cared not. only about the environment. Only about the environment and giant men made of metal. To yep. act as metaphors for the environment. Yeah, which is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. We have a copy of the Iron Giant on DVD and it's still shrink wrapped. I don't know how that oh, happened. Oh, yes, the old uh, movie with Vin Diesel. Yeah, it's a great film, actually. I will not hear a word against that film. Yeah, it's, it's good, th- that movie. I think it's an, an underappreciated animated classic. I would say it's overrated. What? It's like It's like the earthbound of movies in that at the time it was underappreciated, but over time it has got 
this great reverence around it that it potentially doesn't quite deserve. No, I don't hear anyone it's talking a good, about it. It's, it's a good movie. It, Who it, are you it, following on the social media? I don't it, hear anyone talking about the Iron Giant anymore. Pretty much the entire geek uh, sort of circle. It, it, like the whole geek uh, community loves the Iron Giant and thinks it's possibly one of the best movies of all time. See, I don't, tru- I don't trust with fine. the geek community. It's a good film. You're my, you're my gateway into the geek community. <laughs> I'm the one who lets the good things in and keeps the shit out. Yeah, let the right one in. <laughs> and I'm the right one, so the right l- one. let me into the geek yeah. community, but only when I want it. That I want to be able to pick and choose. I want to have, I want to have my geek and eat it. <laughs> oh dear because as you know i'm I'm a comic book person but i don't like comic books you hate words and pictures on page yep i don't i don't like i don't like capes i don't like spandex i don't like people who wear their pants on the outside of their trousers none of it i don't like flying i don't like superpowers i don't like spiders webs i don't like batman all of it no don't like any of it rubbish <laughs> oh dear so anyway um, the reason i was late is because i had a a split bin bag situation i have a split bin bag you know when you're taking out the bin bag and it splits on you and you got you got bin juice running down your leg and like old banana skins falling out and stuff yeah it was yeah it was not good at all so i had to clean that up devastating yeah, it was it was kind of devastating actually. That's not what you want of an evening, is it? It's not, no. So that was that was hard. It was very hard, but I made it. We made it. Here we are. How was how was your day? It is fine. Um busy as always. I'm back into full on review season. Mhm. Um I had a had a couple of weeks where I didn't have much to review, but now it's back on board as of as of this weekend that's just been and gone what have the geeks got um, you reviewing this week <laughs> so i i reviewed a game called the quiet man um which is not related to the very good classic film no. instead it's quite an interesting premise you play as a deaf person okay um, and have to solve this kind of crime mystery um but its execution is very lacking and um lots of deaf people are very unhappy about it <laughs> and about their representation which having played the game it, it it's understandable oh that's a shame what um, did they and, consult and with any deaf people in the making i think of they the consulted with one deaf person okay um but it did not um appropriately reflect it um and so it all comes off a little clumsily and on top of that the gameplay and it is absolutely awful so it's basically walk down a corridor beat up a few people uh, cue a live action cutscene where you get to see re- real people doing exciting things and then 10 minutes later you get to beat up a couple more people um a 10, was, 10 was, minute cutscene yeah well it felt like that it might have been less time <laughs> but i'd say it is a 70 30 split with 70 being on the side of sitting there watching things um known as the final fantasy ratio <laughs> yeah it sounds almost like these films that they have now you know, you know, yeah, you know these yeah. films. Well, what it really reminded me of is I don't know if you remember from the '90s where there was lots of full motion video uh, video games where they tried to put in these sort of live action elements, where it was very simplistic gameplay, then chopped up with very poorly executed um, like film, basically. Mm. And it was like one of those, but done with HD and a bit swankier, but 
just as bad. But still essentially the same idea of trying to make a video game too realistic slash like a film or real life without just making a good playable fun game. Yes, yeah, exactly. Now, did they ever make a video game of miscongeniality? Because it seems like the kind of stupid shit that might have flown into the year 2000. See, I think it was probably a little bit too early to get a video game. If it had come out during the Wii era, yeah, it definitely would have had a terrible shovelware video game adaptation where it was a load of mini games. Yeah, Like there'd be a bejeweled bit in there and stuff like that. Bejeweled Blitz. Um, but I think it probably came a little bit too um, too early. You're right. See, 2000 is still kind of like Game Boy Advance era, isn't it? Like, Yeah, yeah. Because the Nintendo DS had loads of ropey like, film adaptations on there, as did the Wii, as you say. But yeah, 2000 is, yeah, that's GameCube. Well, that's even like pre-GameCube, I think, because I remember getting the GameCube in year nine, which would have been a little bit after that, so... But still, this is the tail end of the N sixty four era. So yeah, it will have been will have been too early for um yeah. So the GameCube came out in two thousand and one. So this is pre GameCube. Would have been N sixty four, possibly PlayStation two, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Nintendo um, wouldn't have gone in for that shit. Yeah, not at the time. Not until they they brought out the Wii and opened the floodgates to terrible crap. <laughs> yeah, family fun, y'all. <laughs> Um, but no, so it, it did not have a video game adaptation, and that is a good thing. That's a shame. Um, <laughs> it is a shame. I wanted a little platformer like Mario, yeah. where you're jumping around as Sandra Bullock. Yeah, pulling guns out of underneath your dress and throwing donuts out of your bra at Michael Caine, who is chasing you. Yeah, it, it would be like... Um, like a survival horror game where Michael Caine is coming after you relentlessly, demanding your donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you've got to escape before he reaches you. And then at the end, when you win, there's like an animation of like a Statue of Liberty set blowing up and William Shatner's in front of it trying to hold it together, going, well done, you won the game. Yes, and, and coming out of the explosion is just raining donuts. Yeah. And that's that's it. That's how it ends. It sounds good. Games which feature a lot of donuts are generally quite good. Yeah, there's a very good game I played recently called Donut Com- uh, Donut County. Good name. Um, and uh, you play um, either this young girl or this anthropomorphic raccoon, and you basically um, use a little hole to suck things down into the ground, and it's really relaxing to play. It's got this cute little story. It's very pleasant. I'm looking at this now, and it and looks very funny. It looks extremely good. It's it's yeah, it's really good fun. You can complete it in about two hours. It's very short, nice. but um, very worthwhile. But what, why would anyone choose to play as a human when you could play as a raccoon? Well, you don't choose one or the other. It's sort of for most of it, you're playing as the raccoon, but there's the odd bit here right. and there where you play as the girl instead. Okay, um, and they're best buds. Yeah, good. Yeah, who wouldn't be friends with a trash panda? Exactly. They're, they are well known as being the friendliest of animals. Yeah. They'll hug you, they'll kiss you, they'll make you soup. Give you love scratches. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely love scratches. <laughs> love rabies. From you know, the, from the trash works. panda. Yeah. Oh, this looks very good. Yes. You know what it's better than? Miscongeniality. Miscongeniality. 
Yeah. What did you enjoy Miss Congeniality? I don't know if enjoy is the right word, really. Uh, I thought it was very stupid. And the whole time I was watching it going, so when is something actually funny going to happen? Like, because the the, <laughs> the plot was the plot was doing its thing. It was it was carrying on as you expected it to be. Yes, we get it. She's she's not like she's not feminine. Ha ha. Very very funny. And then that that become that is the joke, the only joke in the film. And then it, that kind of that. She has to go undercover. We get it. The plot lumbers on and lumbers on and lumbers on and lumbers on. And there's no jokes. And there's no there's no good jokes. And no funny no funny bits. Nothing that really made me laugh until we got to the joke about um, April twenty fifth being it's being the perfect date. And that joke that made me genuinely like laugh out loud. It was so funny. And I'd heard that before in isolation. Didn't realize it was from this. Um, the the joke is that the the um, pageant contestant the the guy says to her they're being interviewed for the beauty pageant and she he says describe your perfect date and she says well it would have to be april 25th because it's not too warm and not too cold you only need a light jacket and that is a joke that is so good that it is utterly wasted on this film <laughs> yeah it is it is a step above I, I think there's a few moments in this movie where i i laughed a little bit but, um also interestingly um, april 25th is our baby's due date Oh, so that is great. So we're gonna have to like name our baby Rhode Island if it's born on that. If it turns out that it does come out on that day or something, definitely name it after one of the characters in this movie. Yeah, or or one of the actors, Michael Caine, or one word, Michael Michael Caine, or Benjamin Bratt, or that guy who looks like a sort of fake Ginger Patton Oswalt, (laughs) who interestingly um... is in Crazy Ex Girlfriend. You watched that show? I haven't. No. Uh, I think I've mentioned it before. It is extremely good. Yes, yes. There's a new season which I'm not enjoying that much so far. It's it's one of the few shows where it's on Netflix, but they release it episode by episode every week. Um, and the fourth season so far isn't doing it for me, but the first three are extremely good. It, it's really really worth watching. And he he oh, has a minor good. role on that. So it's one of those things where I was more interested in trying to work out in my head where I'd seen him before than in his character or anything going on in the tacky, stupid plot. See, he also plays a horrible murderer in the TV series The Following. Yeah, sounds about right. Which, which is, a, is a, great, it's a great but horrible show um, where Kevin Bacon plays a detective and um, they've caught this serial killer. But it turns out that he was basically leading a cult of other serial killers to continue um in his absence okay so it's all about tracking down this cult of weirdo new serial killers basically um and yeah there's a very good show and yeah he plays he plays a particularly nasty one of the serial killers <laughs> it's like okay and now here he is in miss congeniality one of the group. bacon boys <laughs> one of the bacon boys is that what they call themselves <laughs> what the the, the serial yeah the killers. serial killers well, I doubt they'd call themselves the Bacon Boys, given that Kevin Bacon's the one trying to stop them. Oh, he's the one trying to stop them. Yeah, he's, he's not, not the, the cult leader. Killer. He's the right. detective. Yeah. Although it would still be kind of a good cover name, wouldn't it? It sounds like just a bunch of people who are interested in eating meat. Bacon, yeah, bacon like, Boys. They'd, they'd, never, they'd never be serial killers if they're named after me, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like opposite day. <laughs> if, you, if you name yourself after the thing that's trying to catch you, it'll never catch you. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. So yeah, that guy, I mean, he he would turned out to be the baddie, 
but only really got about two scenes worth of screen time. Or well, him and his his um, his evil nasty mummy, who was the director of the thing, who wanted to do commit a really horrible terrorist act by literally like blowing the head off the winner of the the pageant thing. <laughs> yes, like with very little motive. Yeah, very little motive, and like it didn't even they hadn't fixed the winner, so they didn't even care who it was. It's, it's a no, really it's, nasty it's just crime. Be whoever won. Yeah. Um, basically, as a as a fuck you to the the company for sacking them. Yeah. So it was a it was a it was a uh, a crime of spite, basically. And because she always um, came second in the pageants, yes. she never got to wear the crown herself. So she's going to blow up the person who does. Yeah. St- standard kind of childhood trauma, making an evil thing just in the background. This is the thing. All of that stuff where it's actually quite important to build it up is given very, very little screen time. But they devote so much screen time to pushing Sandra Bullock being unfeminine. Yes, we get it. Come on. Yes, she's wearing masculine shoes. Ha ha, we get it. You know. See, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I think it was still an issue, but I don't think it was really awfully done. Um, I think the problems were that they tried to... They, there was too much emphasis on comedy that didn't work. Um, but what was there from the plot I found quite compelling, and I think they did actually lay the seeds of the sort of end result of who it was quite well. Um, and, and I think that kind of trying to work out who's doing this, I think actually worked pretty well, but it was kind of overpowered by poor attempts at comedy. Um, so so the only real bits of comedy that really work in the movie are where it's you know, that you've got that one scene with, with Miss Rhode Island, but apart from that, it's primarily the bits where it's Michael Caine and Sandra Bullock, where they have quite a good sort of tete-a-tete going on. There's a few there's a few lines between them that are quite funny that are kind of just quickly over and done with rather than sort of left behind, um, and instead they move on to more nonsense. Yeah. The, the one line that really did make me laugh was when they're, they're talking about um, guns, so she's just jumped out, jumped off the stage to tackle a man who she thinks has a gun, um, because they know that there's there's um, like a murderer who's gonna gonna disrupt the pageant. He's like a domestic terrorist who we've seen some weird behind the scenes clips of him doing terroristy things, and it's pre nine eleven. So they're, yeah, they like they speculating that it m- might be a Muslim terrorist or whatever. So that kind of thing was in the consciousness, but it's all it's its approach to terrorism is quite light hearted in a way that I think would never happen again. But yeah, she she jumps on the guy thinking he has a gun and it's just his like vape pen or whatever. And then afterwards they're all like debriefing and the evil evil mummy says, It's Texas, everyone's carrying a gun. And then William Shatner <laughs> goes, I don't have a gun. My ancestors were Quakers <laughs> And for some reason <laughs> it just seemed so like nonsensical and weird that that really made me laugh. Yeah, there's a, there's those little offbeat moments that work quite well. Um, and, and like I said, I really like the sort of Michael Caine, Sandra Bullock dynamic that's going on here. Um, that that all that all works very well. Um, and and sort of, I think Michael Caine adds a bit of energy to this movie that it really needs, um, where he's he's sort of rolling off the walls effectively with his performance, and it's just so so full of like charisma that it kind of propels it along a little bit more. Um, so much so that when he's not in it, it feels quite downbeat. Yeah, definitely. No, he his performance is good, and her performance isn't necessarily bad. And maybe I'm I'm making out like I think it's totally awful, and I don't think it's totally awful. It's not a proper stinker. 
It's not. It's not Red Riding Hood. It's not Fifty Shades. It's not Baywatch. Yeah, it's it's not going to plumb those depths. It's is it there was a vague sense of enjoyment to it, but mostly the it was the the really really poor characterization was the thing that just really stunk it out for me. And you can get away with that if a film is really really funny at every turn, but if it's not, you can't, as you say. But yeah, my, my, Michael Caine was was pretty good. He was Michael Caine, you know. He was he was gay Michael Caine. Yeah. It was ne- um, they were so never a different, a different super explicit about Michael it, though, Kane. were they? No, but um, but yes, uh, a a a gay Michael Caine, which is very good, um, and and I think Sandra Bullock's quite good in this movie, and I think, you know, th- this movie made a ton of money, and I think a lot of that is off the back of her performance in it as well. I think she does a really good job with what's not necessarily the best script, and um. The whole thing about this movie is starting off with caricatures and then breaking them down over the course of the film. Um, and, and and the fact that it doesn't have a strong enough comedic presence is why that fails. So at the end, if, if you took the end of the movie out of context, you'd see you've got this person who wasn't necessarily the most feminine or the most archetypal woman um, who's come to like feel empowered by that side of herself and also come to respect people who she didn't respect at the beginning of the movie which is all very nice and very good but the fact that it takes so long and does such a poor job of reaching that final point i think is where the real sticking points come yeah definitely and obviously there is a romantic plot that is just completely tacked on to the whole thing with her co-worker sexy eric would would you say that Benjamin Bratt's character is the worst man we've watched <laughs> of the podcast so far? Because I was thinking that um, as as the movie went on, I was thinking this guy is probably the worst like male love interest we've had. In, he's pretty weak in this series. Yeah. He starts he's an off absolute like as a misogynist back. slapping her ass and everything, and then later on, there's like so we get a couple of scenes of him being a misogynist slapping her ass, and then there's a. A wrestling scene that I guess we're supposed to think is building up sexual tension, but really it just feels like she's wrestling to prove that she's tough because she's about to go undercover and it's still pushing the kind of she's unfeminine agenda, she punches boys, etc. And then it's skipped basically with him, it's skipped straight from that to about an hour later, a scene of them talking to each other when like they're in the 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 swimming pool or whatever, and they basically just tell the characterization to each other. Uh, and it was so clunking that I, yeah, I had to write down. She's like, I don't have relationships because I don't want them. And she's got this, like, I can't do this moment. And then he's like, well, I hope that people see what I see in you. And then she starts, like, mocking him like a child. And then that becomes their thing. And then at the end, she's doing it again. And then they then, then they get together. Because it's like, obviously, that was clearly going to happen. Because in those three quite short scenes, they clearly love each other. Yeah, it's, it, they do a very bad job of building it up. And like those early scenes between them, I don't think that's supposed to be... He's a misogynist in many ways, but I think the the um, the like physical aspect between them when it's like the wrestling and the slapping and things like that, that was all supposed, supposed to convey that they have like a, a friendship, a camaraderie between them that's based on that rather than any kind of sexual or romantic tension, which makes it even stranger when they introduce it out of nowhere. <laughs> Where it's like, oh, I thought their entire thing was established on a sort of platonic friendship. Yeah, the um, the tra- sort of transition from that into the relationship doesn't really work at all. No, no, it's completely terrible. It's the worst part of the film. Um, and he he is a terrible 
man and a terrible human being so so he spends most of the movie like ogling women and being a being a lecherous creep um then which is fine in a film like this it's fine to show that and it's fine to have characters that do that if the joke is on them and it's not yeah and it's not so a lot of a lot of his screen time is spent watching through hidden cameras women in dressing rooms and i'm yeah. not i'm not over exaggerating that he spends a lot of time on the fbi security camera uh like watching it and then him and the other men in the room are going oh yes yeah, that's a sexy woman i'd like to put my penis inside of that woman <laughs> yeah it's like they all crowd around to stare at the stare at the monitor while her in the dressing room it's like it's so creepy it's It's really creepy movie are you 12 years old like (laughs) it is it is in fact 18 years old paddy this movie yeah well you wouldn't know it (laughs) (laughs) Um, or should i say you would know it because it has not aged well yeah and and so so he he's awful i i really hate him and then he has this like turnaround where he's like, "Oh, you're a good cop, and also now you're attractive, so I fancy you." Yeah, romantic music, romantic tension. And then <laughs> the best thing about it is that then he's got that scene where he can back her up because they've they've caught the actual bomber, and um, Sandra Bullock is like, "No, it's it's this is a copycat here. I need to stay behind, and we need to keep a team here to make sure that nothing's going on." Even though you um, have no way of knowing how she knows that. Well, no. Apart from that, she's a good. Apart from that, she's a good cop, and and they yeah. do explain, and and it sort of calls back to things they said earlier in the movie, where, um, like the notes don't match up with what the previous bomber had done, and things like that. So, so the I'm not going to say that it's a very well laid out plot, but there is a framing there if you're paying attention, which I um, was not, which you were not <laughs> clearly, and so so and and so you get this sense. Okay, yeah, she's a good detective. We've already seen that she's a good detective. Um, and and there's this great moment where it's like, okay, this is the bit where Benjamin Bratt's going to finally back her up, and um and they're going to go and solve this case together, even if he has to hand in his badge as well, and they're going to do it. And instead, he just completely pulls the rug out from under her, and it's like, yeah, no, mate, shut up. Yeah, he's just like, nah, <laughs> come CBA. And, and, and so then he only realizes that she was right when talking with Michael Caine, and then he runs back and and does a bit of help at the end and then they kiss um and do you want to know the real kicker here paddy no yeah um, yeah of course i do <laughs> I was the, just being um, like him wait nah <laughs> no get out um yeah th- so so uh the sequel miss congeniality 2 armed and fabulous that is its name by the way <laughs> oh um, dear uh, i have not seen it but i read a quick plot summary and um, it's set a few weeks after the... Well, the film starts a few weeks after the end of this movie. And by that point, Benjamin Bratt has already dumped her. <laughs> of course. Um, and I imagine it's probably because either he didn't want to come back for a sequel or, um, or you know, maybe they, they had scheduling conflicts or things like that. Um, but yeah, so he doesn't appear in it. And instead, he's been transferred out to Miami. Um because he he dumped her immediately after and was like yeah that that's and that's really in keeping with his character because his character is fucking awful <laughs> yep he so is I'm, bad. I, I've he been has trying to think, like a smug face doesn't he is is there a worse is there a worse um male love interest that we've had on this podcast yeah i think this is actually the worst person yeah no i, I think you're well 
let me i'm gonna have to consult the chart um let me just get the chart up but yeah i think he's he's pretty bad and he's played by someone who i have not seen much of his other work but it doesn't look like much of it would interest me have you seen much of his other work yeah, so he's in the wonderful Sylvester Stallone movie that also stars Sandra Bullock, uh, Demolition Man. See, he sort of looks like someone like shaved a lot off of Sylvester Stallone, doesn't he? <laughs> I think he's a handsome fellow. I think he's more handsome than Sly. Yeah, no, um, Sly is he's rugged. Okay. Um, so, so he, yeah, so he's in Demolition Man, which is a great movie. I, I highly recommend anybody watches it. Um, and and funnily enough, um, although it's not a romantic chemistry. He and Sandra Bullock also play detective partners in that, and they have a really good chemistry in that together. Hmm. Um, it's it's all set in... So Sylvester Stallone is... He's the best criminal catcher in the world, but he causes a lot of damage as he does it. Um, and after one case goes wrong, he's then cryogenically frozen as a punishment. <laughs> um, as is Wesley Snipes, who is the person that he was capturing at the time. Wesley Snipes gets unfrozen and escapes and the only man who can stop him is Sylvester Stallone so they unfreeze him as well and it's this really it's this really clever like action sci-fi comedy that um really understands the tropes of action movies and really does a lot of great work to undermine them in a very clever way so it's very very funny lots of great action scenes and great performances from everybody involved in the cast it's really good that sounds um, very fun it's it's a really fun film and he's in that he's also in Traffic which is a great crime movie um, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Not seen it. Um, so, he, so he's been he's been in good stuff over the years. Um, he's in The Woodsman, which is a great um, Kevin Bacon movie. I know, I know. There's been a lot of bacon talk <laughs> in, in this in this podcast already. You can never have too much um, bacon. You, you can never have too much bacon. Um, I genuinely so, so have bacon in, for dinner. Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, and yeah, so he's been in, he's been in some some good stuff over the years. Um, but this is this is not it. Okay, well, how does he compare to um, Clint Eastwood's character in The Bridges of Madison County, then? He is worse than Clint Eastwood's character in The Bridges of Madison County in terms of being an absolute skis. Yes, you're, co- you're correct. I'm, l- I'm looking through the chart. Yeah, and then I'm struggling to find someone who I disliked as much. If we if we were to get my dad on, he'd say that um, he, he's not as bad as Jude Law's character in The Holiday, which he hates so much. <laughs> <laughs> You ask him I'd about it, that... just start ranting about it forever. <laughs> because yeah, Jude Law in the Holiday is pretty darn <laughs> awful. But I think Benjamin Bratt's sheer reveling in the fact that he's a skeezy monster, I think it it puts him over the edge. And then he get, like that that wins him a woman in the end. So it's all like you can act like a total misogynist ass and still get like get to go out with a, like a sexy hot woman and it's just like even though the film is supposed to be about a woman overcoming those kind of stereotypes it falls back into that at that moment doesn't it yeah and in real life obviously lots of horrible misogynists do do have sex with women it it does happen unfortunately sadly yes (laughs) so yeah so so i think it's you know why it's because they've got really good like um negging technique that that's exactly it, and I, I and I was thinking that Benjamin Bratt's character in this is he does do a bit of negging. Yeah, you think it's, he's it's a, what they call a PUA, a pickup artist. He, he is a pickup artist. He's active in the pickup artist community. I mean, he does a lot of of creepy one liners with people in this film. Yeah. Um. So yeah, maybe he is a pickup artist. Maybe his character. Yeah. Um, 
is is a pickup artist <laughs> on the side. Um, so so I, yeah. I hated the Ephronator's character in Baywatch, but I like Zac Efron, so it kind of it just about just about wins over, I think. Oh, that's true. Because oh, he I, was a real mm. smug ass, wasn't he? That's that's actually that has put a spanner in the works. Which is which is worse, him, Benjamin Bratt's character in this, or Zac Efron's character in Baywatch? I think mm, I like the fact that Benjamin Bratt's character doesn't have a whole "woe is me" bullshit. So maybe actually Zac Efron is the worst. Maybe officially yeah. the worst character we've had. Sorry, Zac. And and I would I would put in the worst character overall is still Drew Mar- Drew Barrymore in Never Being Kissed. Oh yeah, because she is, she is so <laughs> unbelievably awful that character that she's still worse than Zac Efron. You, you, but in terms of the worst male character, yeah, Zac Efron then then Benjamin Bratt. Sorry, bud. So you're saying you you hate um, Drew Barrymore's character in Never Being Kissed more than um, Catfish Sierra Burgess? Yeah, I think I do. Wow, <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> only just that's huge but yeah i i think we should re-watch never been kissed to, oh, to, God. <laughs> to check to, just to check just to be sure <laughs> you can re-watch it paddy <laughs> no, i really don't want to i've got better things to do with my time like stick my head through the wall oh, <laughs> oh yeah josie i couldn't even remember her character's name i'm looking it up josie <laughs> gracie her name was never been kissed surely <laughs> never been hi i've never been <laughs> You can call me Nevy for short. <laughs> I oh, thought it was um, Julia Gulia, but that's um, the wedding singer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a much better character. It is a much better character. And a much better film than Miss Congeniality. Indeed. Despite the presence of one Adam Sandler. Yeah, well, he's good in that. He's a, he's a good one in that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to build up the anticipation of Adam Sandler for a future event. I think, yeah, we need to start bigging up the old Sandy. I'll say no more. Uh, but yes, the, Benjamin Bratt's character in this film is awful. He's the worst. He's literally the worst. Every time he's well, on not scre- he was on screen, I was very thinking... nearly the worst. Oh, this fucking guy again. I don't care about him. I don't want to see him. Go away. And then in the back of my mind, I just knew they were going to get together because I knew there was a romantic plot. Otherwise, you wouldn't have suggested it. And there literally couldn't have been anyone else unless it suddenly turned into like a really... Like raunchy lesbian feminist story between her and Miss Rhode Island, which I thought, given the mainstream nature of it, was unlikely to happen. Yeah, I, and that would have been good. That would yeah. have been great if it basically then just became cloudburst. If it yeah. became like <laughs> a, it became a, a road movie, <laughs> with the yeah, the two of them like skipping out of the pageant and driving to Rhode Island. Yeah, that would have been awesome. A road movie spelled R H O D E. Oh, mate, has that happened yet? Has someone made a film called The Road Movie? I, I don't think so. I think this is our next movie. Because not, not many films are set in Rhode Island, are they? It's true. It's true. Yeah. I'm, try, I'm think of, trying to think of things set in Rhode Island. You've got well, Family Guy. Isn't Brown University in Rhode Island? Is that in Rhode Island? Yeah, I think so. You've got Dumb and Dumber. Apparently that is set in Rhode Island. I found a list of films set in Rhode oh, Island. Oh, really? Nice. I did not know Dumb and Dumber was set in Rhode Island. <laughs> Neither did I. There we go. Apparently Dan in real life. I cannot vouch for the accuracy of this list, by the way. It is just a random IMDb list. 
Um, oh, is, it, is, is this what we call user-generated content? This is user-generated content. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think it's real. I don't think Rhode Island's real. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It doesn't actually exist. Prove us wrong. Yeah, prove us wrong. Rhode Island isn't real. Birds aren't real. Prove us wrong. Bet you can't. Birds are not real. You've seen that conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. Rhode Island isn't real. Birds aren't real. The earth is flat. Pee is stored in the balls. Prove us wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that... I've I've seen that quite a lot. Pee is stored in the balls. Where did that even come from? I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It's all right. I'm going to Google it. Pee is stored in... Okay, P is stored. P is stored in the balls. Yoda. P is stored in the balls. T-shirt. P is green. P is clear. Okay, P is stored in the balls. Knowyourmeme.com A satirical factoid claiming that men hold urine within their testicles. Online, the phrase is typically used as a humorous caption in various image macros. Yeah, yes, thank you, Know Your Meme. I know what I know what a meme is. <laughs> I know what a meme is. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it seemed to have started with a tweet in 2012 before Chrissy Teigen got hold of it and then made it hit the mainstream. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought there would be some kind of amazing revelation that caused it, like some kind of weird alt-right conspiracy theory. No, sadly not. It's just one of those things. It's a, it's, what, it's what you might call a universal truth. It is, <laughs> it is a truth universally acknowledged that pee is stored in the bulls. <laughs> Oh dear! There we go. But, this um, is what we've become. Maddie. This is what we've become. This is what miscongeniality has reduced us to. But um, I didn't know that it had any of this kind of action undercover cop plot at all. I just thought it was a straight up pageant movie, and I was kind of up for that in a weird way. Yeah, I um, I I, I was very surprised. Has been a, I, I must have watched this many many years ago, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the weird mystery cop stuff going on. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was, a. I I remember there being the cop aspect of it, but I didn't remember it being as big a deal, but really it is, it is like a a cop and it is like an undercover cop movie, basically. It is. And that's the thing as well. It doesn't know what it wants to be. It's not goofy enough to be an out and out comedy movie. It's not undercover copy enough to be an undercover cop movie. Um, and it, you know, Actually, perhaps a good point of comparison of a film that we've watched is 21 Jump Street, because that's an undercover cop movie that is hilarious. So what did that film get right that this film got wrong, I guess? It had funny jokes. Yeah. That is the main <laughs> that's, that's the long and the short of it, Because there's, there's lots of jokes in this movie. It's just a lot of them are really unfunny. Yeah, yeah. They just, well, they, they don't work. They don't land. And that's it's, it's disappointing, isn't it, when the joke doesn't land? You want it to. You're rooting for the film. You're going, come on, you can do it. But yeah, but yeah, somehow that joke about the 25th of April snuck in, and that's the funniest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, there was a few bits here and there. So um, Sandra Bullock referring to um, Michael Caine as a donut Nazi that, that <laughs> tickled me. Um, uh, and and yeah, so that was good. Um, and then and then their little their little quips between them were always quite funny. Um, William Shatner's presence was always a delight. William Shatner is is William Shatner. I like the fact that at the end he does his weird spoken word thing for the um, Miss America song. Yeah, 
um, that was that's quite that made something. me chuckle. Oh, and I like that she beats sexy Eric up on stage as her talent. That's funny. Yeah, that, that is good. funny. That was a funny scene. That is a good convergence of funny plot characterization and something that needs to happen to drive the dramatic plot on as well. That's that's a, an example of all that stuff working. There just isn't enough of that in the rest of the film. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and yeah, it, and that's a, that's the problem is that it it doesn't hit home with its comedy. Um, so you know, it could have. I don't think it would have worked if they tried to do anything else with it. I think it needed to be this strange hybrid, but it, the comedy aspect just needed to be much better. Yeah, that's the thing. If you, if you're pitching anything as a comedy, it doesn't matter how serious you try and make it tie into something else. How seriously you try and do that, it just has to be funny. That's that's all it is. Yes, yeah, um, and and yeah. So that that's the big problem here. And and like everybody tries their hardest in this movie. Yeah, I got the I impression... I can't fault anybody's performances. I think the performances all round are, are decent enough. Yeah, I got the impression she really threw herself into this film. And you, you can tell that she's acting hard, you know, if that makes sense. It's like you can tell that actually her performance is really, really engaging and very, very driven and quite good. And it's just, yeah, it's just based on very, very lumpen material. But yeah, she overall is, is fine. You know, Michael Caine's great. Yeah, so it's a good one. And, and I think like... Thankfully, like Sandra Bullock was in a really good buddy cop comedy a few years later because she was in The Heat, um, which is directed by Bridesmaids fella. Um, and it was his sort of take on the buddy cop comedy. Paul Feig. That's a Yes, yeah. And, th- and that's a really funny film. Uh-huh. I have not seen that. Paul Feig, he has a recent one that's kind of weird as well, doesn't he? A Simple Favour. Have you heard about this film? I haven't. No, it's uh, it's like a sort of thriller, but it's sort of got a comedy element to it as well, and it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Um, and apparently, it's quite good, but quite weird. Stars Anna Kendrick, Blake Lively. Oh yes, I remember seeing um, seeing about that. Yeah, and he also had wait some involvement in the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh no, he acted as Mr. Eugene Poole on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> right, okay. Weirdly, we've been watching like the old Sabrina the Teenage Witch because it's been on TV. Like weren't about the time when we we're eating our dinner, it's been on like for music, weirdly. You know how like the music channels just show TV now because nobody goes to TV to watch music anymore. Uh but it's just been on there and it's actually really good and really funny. But there's also the new Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix, which Claire has seen the first episode and she liked it, which is interesting because she did not usually go for something that has a horror element. So it's one we're going to watch together, which I think yeah, is going to be good. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to watching that. Um, we we sort of um, our our horror focus was on the Haunting of Hill House in terms of Netflix Netflix original series, and that was phenomenal. I've heard very good um, things about that as well. It's it's fantastic. One of the best pieces of TV I've seen this year. Um, and, um, and yeah, so, so we need something else to move on to. So I think that might be the next thing. Cool. Another thing that's good about Miss Congeniality is when she's had the makeover and it's like her sort of debut as a new woman, they use Mustang Sally and it's the commitments version and they're all walking really, really slowly. And that was very good. I appreciated that. Yeah. The, 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 the soundtrack to this movie is a bit of a strange one. Isn't there an 
a, a cover of ABBA in here rather than the original ABBA. Yeah, but the backing track sounds exactly the same, but it's got like auto-tuned 90s karaoke voices on it. Yeah, which I thought was a bit weird. Very clearly, strange. Clear, clearly the ABBA won't cost too much money. That did, Genuinely, that is probably the reason. Benny and Bjorn were like, hell no. It's like, no, we want all the money for it. Yeah, well, they're saving themselves for Mamma Mia. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird one there. Yeah, very very strange. And but do you know what is really really funny? Sandra what? Bullock falling over. It does happen 3 times, 4 times in this movie. It happens more times than that. I felt like it was happening every 5 minutes. Every scene they're like is this scene funny enough? No, no. What can we do to make it funny? Have her fall over. What what can we do? Do you, do you think people have understood that she's like a bit ungainly? And maybe she's not going to be good in this pageant thing because she's like not feminine and stuff. Oh, no, no. I think she's getting too feminine. Let's have her fall over. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Two writers high five each other and go out for a pizza. End scene. (laughs) Yeah, this is it came at the peak era of people fall over equal laughter um, of movies around the year 2000. That is what comedy was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that that more than anything else really aged this film. Yeah, I mean the the joke um, the joke as we know it was invented in two thousand and one. Yeah. So this was just before it was almost there. It was ready, but no, the, the joke was not invented until two thousand and one. It's the the last throes of people thinking that slapstick is funny on its own. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. By the way, well, not spoiler alert, but rather spoiler for everybody who's listening. I fucking hate slapstick comedy. <laughs> I always have done, even as a kid. Like aside from like Looney Tunes, any kind of live action slapstick just made me cringe, and that has continued through to today. So you um, you hear the Benny Hill music, and you just want to like flip over the tables, like Jesus in I, the temple. I literally would burn the whole place to the ground. <laughs> get get rid of all of it. Three Stooges, load of old shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it. Like it's so it's so it, dumb. Isn't that genuine? So it's genuinely ancient. Isn't that from it's like genuinely the 50s? ancient? It's genuinely ancient, but people still bring it up as being like a sort of pinnacle humor classic. And it's like, no, it's fucking not. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Go is, watch something actually funny. Is that like a TV show? I'm not sure. I even know what it is. I don't know. It's crap though I know Iggy I'm Pop, sorry Iggy Pop was one of them he was all of them and then the other one was well they were like three three punk guys right Iggy Pop Hen- <laughs> Henry Rollins G.G. <laughs> Allen G.G. Allen <laughs> I'd watch I'd watch that I'd watch them doing a comedy show obviously maybe not now because you know G.G. Allen I don't think would be very funny in his current state yeah are you liking that? I hate you so much. That's what you like. Oh, good on. Like, people say, people say that the, the funniest thing about Forty Towers is where he hits the car with the stick. That's like literal slapstick. And it's it's so bad. It's just like, it's not funny. The funny thing about that is the context around it, not the fact that he's doing that. The funniest moment in British comedy is not when Del Boy fell through the bar. Oh god, fuck Only Fools and Horses. That show can absolutely <laughs> get in the bin. Honestly. Yeah, not a fan at all. It, it's yeah, it's all jokes about people's personal appearances, jokes about people falling over, jokes about things falling on people. 
jokes about granddad being old. Yeah, it's 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 bad. It's old and bad and not good. Whereas, and, I, and I'm not saying that all physical comedy is bad. You no. can use physical comedy in a way that really works, um, but it needs that context around it that makes it funny. So just someone throwing a pie in someone's face isn't funny. No. Harry Hill going on Good Morning Britain and throwing a cream pie <laughs> in Piers Morgan's face when he's not expecting it, that is very funny that... because of the context around it. <laughs> That is incredibly funny. See, Harry Hill, I think, is a very funny physical comedian. Yes, because he he has that abstract um, sort of context around everything that he's doing. So although I feel as though he doesn't hit home all the time, when it works, it works very well. The same way that Reeves and Mortiper are able to use physical comedy in things like Shooting Stars. Yeah. um, Because of the way that it's all framed. Have you ever watched The Smell of Reeves and Mortimer? Yes, yes. It's yeah. the, the show that preceded Shooting Stars. I mean, some of that has some of the most bizarre but most incredible physical comedy of anything that I've ever seen. In it. It's guaranteed to make me laugh. Even them just like whacking each other with giant frying pans and stuff like that is genuinely very, very funny. Where yeah, it's then... like the comedy comes from the absurdity and the silliness of it rather than from it trying to be sort of a rubbish joke shoehorned into a film to try and advance something. You know, I guess it's so different in film to sort of standalone comedies, but physical comedy in films can work, of course. Yeah, I mean, I know you don't like it, but the scene in Bridesmaids where they all poo, <laughs> I really like. I hilarious, think that's really funny. hilarious. Yeah. You know, that, that, that I find really funny, but that's different from someone hitting someone with a bat or someone falling over and going, oh, I fell over. Yeah, or like Jim Carrey, for example, like Ace Ventura and his early work. That's a lot of very physical, stupid stuff, but I find that funny. Yeah, and some of that's funny and some of it's not. The bit the bit where, for instance, in Ace Ventura 2, where he crawls naked out of a robotic rhinoceros, is one of the funniest things <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's very, very good. And stuff like Dumb and Dumber and whatever, you know, that's there, there's... That's much funnier than Miss Congeniality. Yeah. But again, that's the thing where the physical comedy is a real art. And it's a thing that people do and that they have worked on and that they have genuinely thought about. Whereas in films like Miss Congeniality, it's just sort of thrown in there. And it's not really, yeah, it's not the same. Yeah, no, exactly. So we're we're not anti-physical comedy at all. I'm just saying that someone just falling over each time isn't funny. Yeah, just something that's pure slapstick bullshit is not funny something that's just a throwaway physical gag because they don't know how to end a scene that's not funny yeah not at all slapstick slapstick is a style of humor involving exaggerated physical activity which exceeds the boundaries of normal physical comedy apparently oh the term arises from a device developed during the broad physical comedy style known as commedia dell'arte oh there was literally a slap stick huh which was used in the Punch and Judy puppet show. How do you feel about a Punch and Judy puppet show? I've always fucking hated Punch and Judy. Yeah, I think even it's as a even cre- as a kid, I creepy was like, and incredibly crap? weird. Yeah. And it's it's also catchphrases. Yeah, I, I've never really got on with catchphrases. No, but that's my life. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> do you know whose catchphrase that is? your catchphrase that's right no it's um have you aware of the comedian neil hamburger no but i like his name he's it's a character played by a guy what the fuck is the guy's name um 
he does like a film podcast and a whole bunch of other stuff and he's really funny but um neil hamburger is this like character that he plays who's like a washed up old drunk st- drunk stand-up comedian and that's his like catchphrase and like he'll say some horrible thing and then be like but that's my life and if you ever get the chance to see him live he's really really funny i saw him at the edinburgh fringe with um friend of the podcast adam maleski in 2011 and he like he sh- he sort of has slick back hair and wears an old like ruffled brown suit and he shuffles on stage holding like four whiskeys under under his arm in tumblers and it, <laughs> right, okay. these people like halfway through got up to leave and as they were leaving he pulled like a bunch of coins out of his pocket and threw them at them <laughs> you forgot your refunds <laughs> it was one of the funniest <laughs> things i've ever seen but um yeah very very funny um catchphrase comedy but because it's already like a satire on catchphrases catchphrases are never funny in and of themselves never ne- think email us with a funny catchphrase and you will win a prize there we go i don't know That's what the prize will be <laughs> a, a tip of the hat yeah i will tip my hat to you I, i'll send you a picture of all my hats and i own a lot of hats and you can choose the one uh, that you would like me to tip to you there we go. I think that's an incredibly that good prize. Yeah. I, th- I think so as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Fuck slapstick. <laughs> that's our, our high-level critical re- response to slapstick comedy. Yep, for sure. But, uh, yeah, so miscongeniality, yeah, it's not hateful. It's not completely awful, but it is not good either. You know, it's it's they wanted a lot more from it. It's not a film I will watch again, really. But I was not completely unentertained, and I I wasn't incensed by it either. I just sort of thought, well, come on, you did you did better than that, really, sexy Eric. You know, <laughs> sexy Eric. There's a bit where they say, "I hope it's Ricky Martin," and I can't remember who they're referring to. Oh, like, who's going to take over uh, presenting the pageant? Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I hope it is Ricky Martin. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, because he banks. He does. Um, right. So, so shall I move on to some trivia? Yes. About this movie? Go on then. Um, so, so the answer to the question, "What's your idea of a perfect date?" was actually used in an answer in a real life beauty pageant. That sounds perfectly plausible. Yes. Um, uh, Sandra Bullock and Benjamin Bratt did their own fighting and did all of their own stunts in those scenes. Cool. Um, which I think is, you know, pretty good. It shows they were they were believable. It yeah, didn't look sure. didn't look stunty or staged at all. Yeah, and then um, obviously there's the um, there's the bit where she goes, "I'm gliding here," and you know that's <laughs> yeah that that's like Midnight Cowboys. I'm walking here. Yeah, it it, it does not hit home. It is not funny. Mm, no, hey, look like, at this that's reference a popular to a culture thing. Movie. And also at that point. She's not the only person crossing the road. There are like loads of people crossing the road, which they would only do if the light was green. But somehow the car is there to run her over anyway. So the car is definitely in the wrong. But the guy like yells at her like she's the arsehole anyway. They didn't plan the extras in that scene properly, is what I'm saying. Because I can't remember what it's like in in um, in Midnight Cowboy, but I think that they're just jaywalking, aren't they? Yeah, and that's why they almost get run over. Jaywalking. I love to. Do, I love to jaywalk. I jaywalk all the time. Walk like a jay. Yeah, that's because I'm a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays. That's, the, <laughs> that's how I became a Blue Jays fan. I was like, just just from your sheer jaywalking. Yeah, which baseball team most closely aligns with my interests? You know, I'm not a Mariner. <laughs> I'm not a Ranger. I'm not an Astro. I'm not a Pirate. 
But I, you know, I do a lot of jaywalking, so I became a jay. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> um, whereas I like swimming in um in areas full of organs, which is why I became a Liverpool fan. <laughs> boom boom, boom boom. That's very oh. bad, but it's still funnier than when she goes, "I'm gliding here." <laughs> Um, and just one other thing I wanted to point out. Um, this movie's got Ernie Hudson in it, and Ernie Hudson's great. He's the angry police chief, right? Yes, and he's yeah. awesome. He's always awesome in everything. Where he's the best else? Ghostbuster. If you don't think he's the best Ghostbuster, get the fuck out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm done with you people. He's awesome. Um, and, and he's also in a previously mentioned killer gorilla movie, Congo. He's in that. Excellent. He's great in that. I very much um, want to see that still. He's in The Crow, which is another great action movie. He's just awesome. He's he's the dude. He's great. And again, his talent is wasted on this film. Yeah, he has a very minor role where he's not really able to do much with it, and it's just a shame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's great. And yeah, it's a shame that he had to be in this movie. But thank you, Ernie Hudson, for being in yeah. it anyway. But again, I, I think if it hadn't been Michael Caine, and if it hadn't been Sandra Bullock, if it had been lesser lesser actors, it would have really stunk out the joint. It would have been bad. It really would have been bad. Yeah. So they are the kind of saving grace. Although I, I think the lady who played Miss Rhode Island was very funny, and I wondered, I feel like, have I, have I seen her in something else? I don't know. So, But again, not enough to completely carry the film. Yeah, so I don't know if I've seen her in anything else. She's been in some other stuff. So she's in You've Got Mail. Ah, we okay. We we have talked about that. Was I she one of she the one of the bookshop buddies? Maybe, maybe. I'm not sure. Along with oh, who's the guy? Is it um Greg Steve Zahn, that guy. Love that guy. Oh Steve Zahn, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna assume she was one of the bookshop buddies. But yeah, she was good. Yeah, she was. But yeah, so yeah, if it, if it wasn't for the performances, this movie would really be bad. And it's only on the sheer energy that they provide that it, it works at all. Yeah. So, you know, if if you haven't seen it, you're not missing much. Watch it if there's nothing else on. I yeah, say. that's a good thing to, to go by. It, I think. It's in that kind of bracket, isn't it? Watch it yeah. if there's if there's not much else on and you can't be asked to do much thinking. Lazy Sunday... That's about it. Nothing else you can do. Put on Mish Congeniality because it's on Channel 5. And, you know, William Shatner's in it. Yeah, before he went mental arsehole. <laughs> Is he dead, William Shatner? No, he's still alive. Oh. He's just being a bellend on Twitter. Is he? Oh, I, ha- yeah. I haven't seen him on Twitter. What's he been doing on Twitter? What's he been saying? Oh, just being a grumpy old gammon, basically. Oh, no, don't tell me he's a gammon. <laughs> he, he's, a bit of a, he's a bit of a gammon. Oh, dear. Not going to lie. Don't argue tectonics with me. It looks like he's getting in an argument about, about Africa. Um, geography. Oh, dear. That that looks like a very, very good use of somebody's time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's let's just ignore that and remember Shatner when he was Shatner. Yeah, so he, he's not the worst example, but he's he's gone a bit free speech, oh, basically. Um, so, you know, he's, you know, he's just... <laughs> It's just another vulnerable old person taken in by Facebook memes. Oh dear. It's just the way that I read it. <laughs> um But yeah, so so yeah, anyway. Um He definitely thinks that P is stored in the balls. He definitely does think that. 
Um, so, um, we're going to rate this. How are we going to rate this? Yeah. How are we going to rate this? Hmm. How, I was say, how many firearms would you pull out from under your dress when asked to by Michael Caine? Oh, that's true. That's a good one. That's a good or one. Or how, um, how many donuts are hidden in your brassiere? If it's not, a, if it's not a personal <laughs> question. I would, I would have four donuts in my brassiere, six guns hidden up my dress. So an overall score of 10. Oh, it's a split I think score. This, yeah. This movie is a is a is a Bon Jovi if there ever was one. See, I I don't think it's a Bon Jovi. I think it I think it's lower than a Bon Jovi. I think it's yeah. Because let's see what what felt, if I look back at the charts. I know I keep doing this every time, but like I I gave The Greatest Showman a Bon Jovi, and The Greatest Showman is definitely a much better film than this. So this is this has got a this has got to plumb the depths. I'm gonna give it a seven out of twenty. Yeah, fair enough. Four donuts, three guns. <laughs> we both come for the same number of donuts. Yeah, yeah, two two in each boob. <laughs> it works. Yeah, I, I planned this very carefully. <laughs> yeah, which means which gives it a higher score overall than P.S. I love you. So I'm happy about that, despite your best oh, efforts. <laughs> I think I like this movie less than P.S. I Love You, though. Good. Yeah, I don't like this movie as much as P.S. I Love You. I'd rather watch this than P.S. I Love You. P.S. I Love You is so offensive. I know I keep bringing it up. It's the greatest movie ever, Paddy. I love it, so... Yeah, a true representation of Ireland. It's got my Jeffrey Dean in it. And they're, um, they're all, this, all this chat about the Irish backstop. I mean, who is he, for a start? But, like... <laughs> obvious answer to that it's jared butler in ps i love you yeah yeah he he is the i i want him to start in a movie called irish backstop or maybe just the backstop the backstop which is about rounders (laughs) (laughs) because in baseball it's called a catcher not a backstop for every journalist writing about it saying that this is a term more commonly used in baseball no in baseball it's the the screen behind everything not the person anyway when tagline tagline paddy when this backstops in place brexit means brutal exit <laughs> yep new film well that, there's your next post <laughs> <laughs> no i've already done jared butler oh yeah him. yeah that's true we can't we can't have we him can't, in we can't overdo jared two films in a row we won't get him he'll be busy we don't have repeating cast members. Yeah, this that's is true. Thing. And that's not because nobody wants to work with us again. <laughs> no, it's because one one experience of working with us is enough. Yeah. It's not because we... They we're feel like it's completed their careers. Tyrannical. <laughs> tyrannical <laughs> directors. Yeah, okay. Well, we well maybe we can write it but not be involved in the production and direction. We can hand over to someone else. Yeah, we give the script over to somebody else. We get Paul Feig to direct it. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, nice one. Paul Feig, if you're listening, we've got a film for you, buddy. Yeah, get on it, mate. Yep. Script is coming your way. Nice. So it's your choice next, isn't it? It is, yes. And um, we, we've had a request from my cousin, Grace, who is getting married next year, uh, a couple of weeks before my baby is due. And I'm looking forward to that. So... 
Um, I thought I would honour her request as it was for a quite recent film and a net a Netflix, and we haven't had one of those for a little bit. Um, this film is called When We First Met. Did you see the trailers for this? No, I didn't. I did not either. I must admit it completely passed me by, but it came out on Netflix this year, so that's good. And apparently it's like Bad Groundhog Day. Not to ah. sugarcoat it. Bad Hog Day. Yeah, at, at <laughs> Bad Hog Day. Yeah, and it stars the guy, the guy with the big face from Pitch Perfect, Adam Adam Devine, Devine, that guy. Oh, my my boy. Yeah, it stars that. My, it stars my that boy, guy. The guy who, if they were ever going to make a live action um, adaptation of Kirby, the Nintendo character, <laughs> he would be the number one choice to play him. Is is that based on something, or have you just made that up? I think I just made that up. <laughs> that sounds like some kind of like legit fan theory. <laughs> I'll have to double check. Am I am I a geek now? Am I allowed in the geek community? Because I said you're fa- allowed in the geek community. It's just about. I said fan theory. You recognise who Kirby is? Yep. Um, I don't have to Kirby my enthusiasm. You're out. Get out. <laughs> you just lost it. You're out of the geek club. Is that is that funnier than Sandra Bullock falling over for the fifth time? Uh no. No, it's not. God Sorry, damn it. <laughs> I can't even Bon Jovi my jokes. <laughs> you're you're too busy John Bovying. Yeah, jo- John Bonathan Jovi. <laughs> Jonathan Bonathan Jovi. <laughs> it's his real name. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. cool. I don't know much about this movie at all. So Yeah, so we're going to watch it. when we first met next week. Uh, in the meantime, all that remains is for us to say thank you. Thank you very much for listening. We very much appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed it and that um, we didn't offend you too much with our thoughts on miscongeniality. If you really love it, you know, I'm sorry. If you, if you hate it, if you wanted us to hate on it more, I'm also sorry. But, you know, we do what we do. We do our best. Yeah, we're, uh, our opinions are finite and the most valid. Yeah, absolutely. We can't stop speaking truth. You know, yeah. what is life without truth? Yeah, we've had a lot of truths universally acknowledged on this episode. So please, please <laughs> um, share this episode with your friends. We really need to get more listeners. We need to get your friends listening so they can all, everyone can know the truth, you know. Um, so, yeah, please do share, rate, review, all of that stuff really, really helps us. You know, we want to climb the charts, want to take over the world, want everyone to be listening because it's very important stuff. So, yeah. And thank you very much for listening, you wonderful, lovely people. We love you very much. Thanks. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about when we first met. All right. All bye-bye. Right. Bye.